Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council in Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio, Trek's Marketing and Communications Coordinator. Today I'll be talking with CBRE's Jack Fraker, who is a panelist in our recent Rising to the Top event and has been a part of the commercial real estate industry for more than 30 years. He is Vice Chairman and Managing Director of CBRE Global Industrial and Logistics and leads the company's practice here in the U.S., He's also leased or sold over 815 million square feet and approximately 6,600 acres of development sites in more than 60 U.S. cities and in Mexico, Europe, and South America. And he's on the show today to talk about how he's put together such a tremendous career and navigated the Great Recession of the last decade. I'd also like to remind you to subscribe to TrackCast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and follow us on social media. We are at The Real Estate Council on Facebook and at Trek Dallas on Twitter and Instagram. And now, here's Jack Fraker. So, Jack, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, to start off, I think I'll just put you on the spot. What are the keys to a long career? How does one rise to the top? It takes a hard work ethic. You have to really uh, manage your time well. You get to work early, stay late. Uh, Maybe don't go to as many uh, lunches as you might like to. Uh, I hate to encourage this, but you might have to work from your desk a little bit. You need to learn how to uh, dictate and not just constantly uh, hand write out memos or type out long emails. So it's all about time management. It's also about collaboration and working with a team. So you want to you know, get along with people, share information. Uh, I've always found if you share information, you get a lot of information back from the uh, other side. So that's a good part to what the long career is all about. You need to have a certain amount of amb- ambition, uh, but not you know, driven obsessively by ambition and getting ahead, but you have to have some motivation in that regard. And it's not about beating the other guy, it's about making yourself, uh, making yourself better. What made you want to get into the commercial real estate industry? How did you get your start? After college, I worked on some uh, interesting, adventurous jobs. I worked on the Alaska Pipeline. I worked in uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. I worked in um, uh, Europe, uh, Belgium, and Scotland. And uh, Was that that all real estate stuff? Well, it was uh, construction. It was construction, but I was not an engineer. And uh, so I wasn't going to ever really get to the top. I didn't see a career, a clear path to get to the top of those companies. And actually, over, after a while, I got homesick to come back to Dallas. So sure. when I came back, I had some friends in real estate. And so I listened to those guys. I had a degree in finance, and you know, that theoretically could have put me in banking. But uh, that wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't that great of a career path at that time. So I talked to some of my friends, got in real estate. A couple of the companies said, that uh, it was all about commissions. You had to you know, be completely on commissions. Another company said you had to have an MBA, and I didn't have an MBA. And I didn't want to do commissions. I didn't have time to go get an MBA. And I got a job with the Southern Pacific Railroad, who uh, owned a large land positions coast to coast, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I got a job there and got to meet all of the uh, major players in the real estate market at the same time earning a salary, although very modest. That's how I got my start. So, so you have your foot in the door. You're in the industry. What are, what are your priorities early career? Well, I, I still had that driving ambition. Sure. And I was on the uh, low salary side of the uh, 
business, working for the railroad, literally working for the railroad. And I would see the major developers, I'd see the major brokers come into our office to buy land to build speculative projects. And I realized what we were paying the uh, brokers, the commission on those deals. And so I said to myself, I am on the wrong side of the, uh, this desk. You know, I should be on that side, either try to be a principal or try to be an active broker. And that's what motivated me to get into the pure uh, brokerage side of the business way back when. So what was your approach to career growth from that point on? They, uh, they, I, I got on with a really good shop, a couple of guys that uh, are still active today, and I consider those guys great mentors. And uh, they, that was my motivation. They felt like I needed a little sales training, and they literally sent me to the Dale Carnegie course, which helps you overcome objections or helps you get into doors on a cold call. So that, that experience, plus really the railroad experience, which was all about correspondence, all about documentation, all about you know, administration of a deal. So the, the sales experience and the administration of how to work a deal and the ability to uh, dictate and quickly fire off correspondence proposals and craft memorandums, that, that's what was very, very instrumental to me in early in my career. You mentioned that group of sort of early mentors for you. Trek has a mentorship program, and Rising to the Top even serves as a mini, you know, crash course in mentorship from some very esteemed commercial real estate players. How important is finding a mentor for young professionals? I know there's a lot written about it, talked about, but but how important do you think finding that person is uh, for a young professional, especially in a field like this? I think it's especially important to find a mentor, somebody that has experience, somebody that's been there. And I know that my early days in brokerage, the company was called Clark and Wood. Tom Clark today is still very active as a, a broker, even today. And Jim Wood is, uh, was active as a broker and, and a developer for years. But I, both those guys were my mentor, and I would go out all day cold calling, trying to find deals, Find, trying to find uh, opportunities, and I would come back at the end of the day and ask, tell those guys what I did, and they would both give me different types of advice, both of which, from their own perspective, both of which really helped me go forward. So I, if I didn't have those guys, their, their mentors, uh, their, their advice, and then their existing relationships, that's what really got me off the ground. What was the best piece of advice that they gave you? The, uh, the one guy, Jim Wood, said that I needed to memorize my complete uh, inventory. So now you have all these tools, Google Earth, everything is online. Sure. Back then, we didn't have that, so we had to memorize our inventory. And the best advice I got from him was he would literally tell me to drive down a particular street in my mind, and he would say, what's the first building on your left? I'd say, well, that's 123 Regal Rose Street. Well, how big is it? Oh, it's 60,000 feet. What's the building next to it? Well, that's four, five, six Regal Row, and that's 75,000 square feet. It's occupied by XYZ Company. So he was all about information, memorizing your inventory, becoming an expert in your field to try to distinguish yourself from other people in the same line of work. And then the other uh, mentor was Tom Clark, who was all about salesmanship and the ability to get into a door and even today, he's got a great big smile on his face and a real firm handshake, and he can get into any door. So between the two guys, the salesmanship and then the uh, market knowledge, that's, that was great mentoring to me, and that should be uh, attributes that young people should look for in mentors today. 
I'll ask you the flip side of that question. What's a piece of advice that you wish you had gotten as a young employee um, but didn't get and sort of found out as you progressed in your career? Um, I, I, you know, what's, I don't know what uh, advice I've really missed out on. Okay. I, mean, I ended up in a particular asset class early on, which was industrial real estate, and I did every aspect of it, land, building sales, tenant rep, landlord rep, and then over time, I even became more of a generalist and had some of those same successes with uh, office, the office category. You know, uh, I, I lived in Dallas, and so I, I never, you know, really looked beyond the Dallas market at that time. I'd already had the overseas adventure adventures. I know some guys that were in Dallas at that time, and they ended up going to New York City, or a guy went and took some took his took a shot in London because the values and the prices and all of that's much, much more than the Dallas market. So you can make a lot more money in New York or someplace like that. Right. So looking back, I could have, um, somebody could have said, Jack, have you thought outside of the Dallas market? But having said that, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, and I'm glad I, I stayed here. So a little more than half of the members of our organization are young guns. It's just over a thousand young professionals. Uh, they're all they're in all sorts of professions within the broader commercial real estate industry, but to extent to an extent they're all competing in one way or another for jobs and promotions. It's a really cutthroat environment. I don't have to tell you that you know, of course, right? Um, but if you're hiring someone, a young broker or you know what have you, what what kinds of qualities are you looking for in that person? You know how how does someone get hired by Jack Fraker? I'm looking for a hard work ethic. I'm looking for a certain amount of uh, professionalism, even if they're just out of school. I'm looking for the ability to, you know, write uh, corrective, correctly with grammar, sentence structure, things like that. Uh, I'm looking for the background tools they may have gotten at the university or, or in their earlier in their career, and so far as analytical uh, abilities. Um, I'm looking for someone that's not afraid to, you know, come in on the in the mornings. We've had some young people over the years at our company that, when I go in on Saturday mornings, and and you know, if I still go in on Saturday mornings, it's uh, those guys should probably be there. And the ones that I'm looking for are the people that are not afraid to uh, go in on the weekends or do what it takes to make a deal, even if it means after hours or you know early in the morning. How has your definition of success changed over the years? It's a. Uh, now it's uh, it's not all about money. That is one way that you can keep scores. How much can you make over your career? But a, a lot of it is uh, there's some competition involved, competing with your uh, other companies that do the same thing that uh, we do. So we like to be the best at presentations, the be, be the best at marketing materials, the, to be the best at getting the best outcome for our clients. So those those things kind of motivate me more more these days than actually uh, the money part of it, of it, although that's not bad either. Sure. And just, just to shift gears a bit, um, our main topic uh, for rising to the top is the Great Recession. It started a decade ago. It was pretty awful. I was in high school and in college at the time. I remember taking economics classes, and my professor had asked us, you know, who wants to hear some good news today? And we said, yeah, we do. Let's, let's hear it. It's been super bleak. And he goes, great. Who's got some? You know, nobody really had any. Um, so I want to ask, I want to put you on the spot again. How do you go about selling real estate at a time when the real estate market is bad? 
and forecasts and, and outlook is, is even worse. I mean, how do you sell a product that, that lacks value? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the mentor I mentioned who told me to memorize everything about the markets, that's become very uh, handy for me when I'm trying to sell properties in a down cycle. I'll cons even if it's not an industrial building, I'll say, see that hotel over there? In 1998, it sold for you know 25 million, and today, even in a down cycle, it's worth 75. Or you see that uh, office building at the corner of LBJ and the tollway? That land sold for $100 a square foot in, in 1993. You know, so having a historical reference helps us in these down cycles because it is a cycle. We'll come out of it. Uh, you know, you don't want to look back and wish that you'd been more aggressive and made some uh, smart acquisitions during a down cycle. And then you have to keep working. I mean, there's all these uh, stories about real estate professionals that in the last cycle, 10 years ago, they just quit working. They, they worked on their golf game. Uh, they didn't come to work, you know, every day. They uh, took it easy, feeling like they weren't missing out on, in, on anything because not, there wasn't much going on, as you said. But th I think those guys, most of those guys didn't ever come back in. So you got to stay in the game, stay engaged, you know, buckle down your resources, you know, don't be extravagant, which that's, that's good advice, no matter if you're in a good cycle or a bad cycle. In great cycles, there's people in the years past that have gone out, out and bought a brand new car or get a boat, uh, you know, live extravagantly in the great cycles, and, it's, and that, that comes back to bite them in the down cycle. So you need to save your money. That's good advice to all the young people, that the 1,000 people you mentioned that are part of the organization. They should be, be very frugal, save their money, don't be extravagant, don't be cheap, and don't have a, you know, un, unhappy social life or anything like that, but, but really watch your resources carefully. I mean, I look, I look back at that last cycle, and nowadays I, I either it's a psychological mechanism I have called repression, so I can't remember unpleasant things. <laughs> so that was very unpleasant for us uh, in, in that cycle. The, uh, our company and a lot of companies, they had to look to the top producers to help slightly augment the uh, cost, the overhead. Yeah. So that was especially memorable for me because we were sort of the top producers at the time. So I can re I've tried to forget that cycle, but the the main thing is keep don't get out of the game, keep working, and and you'll you'll come out on the other side. So you had, you had mentioned those those executives that they worked on their golf game, they took time off, they they didn't they didn't bear down and focus the way that maybe they could have. As a real estate executive, as an office leader, how do you keep others around you positive? You know your colleagues, your clients your business partners, how, how do you maintain morale at a time when everything's so bleak? I mean, a lot of it is you lead by example. And so you're, you're still there, you're visible, you're, you're offering encouragement. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you may only have one or two deals to work on versus 50 deals. Yeah. And uh, you just put everything you can into it, into those one or two deals. We, um, we didn't, we, we really did not lose anybody on our team during that uh, down cycle the last down cycle 10 years ago. You know, we had the down cycle opened up some opportunities in the banking industry. As you may recall, the FDIC was shutting down banks and we were able to get one of our guys transferred over to CBRE's FDIC department. And he had a great job and was really very active and came out the cycle that way. We had another guy that was always wanted to go back to uh, get an MBA and he chose that time to go back and get an MBA, but we didn't have to lay off anybody 
during that down cycle. And, and they saw that we were all, all the senior people weren't just as involved as always had been, and we're not making as much money, and we were all for one, one for all. So you can lead by example in those kind of situations. So what are the lessons from the Great Recession? What, what did we learn about the industry? Um, are we prepared to withstand the next one? How do we use that experience moving forward? Well, each time there's a financial crisis in this country, I think the industry gets, uh, gets better. Now we have uh, a lot of bank regulations that really limit the amount of speculative construction. I've been in the business so long, and I remember in the late 80s that when you, had, you could finance a deal 102%, with a construction loan. Every SNL and every bank was, was making a construction loan and every developer and the developer's brother or sister would go out on the same day and build the same kind of building on the same street. There were no controls back in the late 1980s and now there's very good controls and the developers have to, have to put equity into the deal and there's recourse on these construction loans and that's created a, a governor or a limit on new construction. So that's something we've learned from the last, as an industry, we've learned from the last cycle. And then we've also learned that you can make money when uh, things are going bad or going good. One of our top producers in the, at our company back in the uh, 10 years ago, in the great financial crisis, was a tenant rep broker in Manhattan. And he went and called on all of his best clients and said, this may be a good opportunity for you to blend and extend. So he figured out a way to make money even in a declining market. He, he went to his best clients and said, we should approach the landlord. They're very interested in keeping this building occupied. Maybe they'll give us a little bit lower rate if we extend our term. So learn how to adapt to a situation like that. And, you know, and learn the, the motivations of other property owners. Who is, who wants to control a particular market and may take advantage of it, who's flush with cash. But there's some real successful people in our industry, industry today that basically almost got wiped out in the prior cycle, but they, they reinvented themselves and came back. Special thanks to today's guest, Jack Fraker of CBRE, and to all of you for listening. Remember to subscribe to TrackCast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, and be sure to follow us on social media. We are at the Real Estate Council on Facebook and at Track Dallas on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. We'll see you next time.